We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, Simon Campbell. To talk to you, uh, what, over 20 to 9 on a Tuesday evening after after one of the upsets of the season as uh, bafflingly and completely unpredicted Sheffield United got their first win in 20 Premier League games, the first of the season after 17 attempts, their first clean sheet of the season, and absolutely everybody saw this coming, which is possibly possibly the worst thing about it, but we're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about where the fuck this ridiculous, horrible awful football club goes from here this football club which brings me no joy no joy in these dark times all it does is bring misery and kind of upset to my life but but i'm talking to you lads so so that's nice and i'm talking to you the listener so that's even nicer norman and si i'm going to start off the show we've got a lot to get through we might we might jump all over the place we might talk about a few different things but i'm gonna give you one of steve bruce's quotes and i know you lads haven't heard this so after watching his side be completely played off the park, 11 v 11, against the worst side in the league, the worst goal-scoring side in the Football League. No team had a worse goal-scoring record before tonight than Sheffield United, the same Sheffield United that could have been 4-5 or five and a little bit half-time. But what did Steve Bruce say? Apart from kicking off about the referee, he said, when you were in the bottom half, you can end up having a run like this. We had a decent start. We knew the festive period would be difficult and tonight would be. <laughs> now, for me, lads, he's, he's basically just saying, well, it could happen to anybody. It could happen to anybody. If you're, if you're in the bottom half, you can end up uh, not scoring a goal <laughs> in over nine hours of football. Two wins in 11, 12 now, no wins in eight. Two wins in 24 games, playing the formation he selected to play. But remember, lads, it can happen. To anybody. I mean, they knew the festive period would be difficult, lads. I mean, it's July the 12th. Yeah. Steve. I think it's July the twelfth. The, the the first July, thing I'm thinking here is like when when did he start thinking it was going to be difficult to play Sheffield United? Was it when they when they hadn't won in ten? Was it when they hadn't won in fifteen? At what point did he think you know what that's going to be a difficult game? That was it when they got to nineteen game. Uh, how many games? When they got to uh, sixteen games without keeping one clean sheet? Was that when he thought this is going to be a difficult game? This like. <laughs> The Christmas period was always going to be difficult. You can give them that, but it's just nonsense to say that this should have been included. This game should have been targeted as the as the bounce back from from a difficult spell. Also, make any sense. 
But, but also, he said that when you're in the bottom half, you can have these kind of runs. We had a good start of the season, so it means that we were in the top half, and then we had this kind of run when we're in the top half as well. So basically, if you're in the top half of the table or the bottom half of the table, you can have these kind of runs, is what he's saying. So what he's saying is, is that if you're a football team, you can have these kind of runs. The position of the table doesn't really make any difference, does it? It just so happens that we're in the bottom half, and it's easier for Steve to say, when you're in the bottom half... You can have these kind of runs. It's like, no, no, mate, the reason you're in the bottom half is because we have these kind of runs all the time, isn't it? it? It's very accurate because these kind of runs define his career at every single club he's been at. And a lot of Newcastle fans mentioned this when he was hired as manager. He is known for a horror run, like a like a real horror run. And quite often, in fact, he fails to come out of them and tends to be sacked. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit. At the start of the show, I'll apologise. I did say it was uh, the 12th of July. I wish it was the 12th of July. Uh, f- for a start, we wouldn't, Newcastle wouldn't be playing. My life would be better. Um, it's the 12th of January. So what the fucking festive season has got to do <laughs> with tonight? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's still got the Christmas decorations up. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating. Russia. Uh, <laughs> R- Russia, Russia, they celebrate on the 12th, I think. <laughs> so maybe it's that. Right. What, what, let, let's get into it. I think... One of the things I'm really keen to do, and, and and the podcasts are hard to do at the minute. Me and Norman just talked off air, and, and you know we're kind of you know we're me and you, Norman, we did a, a good podcast on Patreon, I think, at the weekend. Very arrogant, that a good podcast. We did our podcast. <laughs> we enjoyed it on Patreon at the weekend, where we talked about Bruce compared to all of Ashley's other managers and Graham Souness. Um, and I think I think one of the things the the, the, the key threads of, of of Steve Bruce at Newcastle United is the team playing terribly in being a genuinely dreadful football team and this is the important thing for me tonight is it if we got into half time at nil nil and ryan fraser hadn't been sent off and we got into the second half and carl darlow pulls off two or three more saves and dave mcgoldrick puts a couple more headers wide and we get out of there with a nil nil draw or a one nil win thanks thanks to callum wilson to me it's still as bad it's still as bad because because the way, the way he set that team up tonight, the formation and the team selection suggests to me that he he has no idea what next week holds. He has no idea. So we're going to play Arsenal, then we're going to play Leeds. He has no idea how we're going to face Leeds. No clue about formation. No clue about um, playing selection, playing style. He's got no clue. And the fact that we've we've had this run, which we've had quote-unquote progress, fucking progress. Uh, hello, progress, my old, my old friend. That's how I feel. It's like the, the word progress Progress now is dead to me. It means something completely opposite to what it should mean. But the fact that he's, he's coming, and I'll repeat those stats again, Sheffield United, no wins in 20 league games. They've scored less goals per game than all of the other sides in the Football League and the Premier League. Uh, two points from 17 games. And for him to select three centre-backs to bring in Jeff Hendrick to think Isaac Hayden and Sean Longstaff were the right choices to think that Almiron wasn't the right man. To, to me, Like be, before you even get into the game, it's a, the bloke does not know what he's doing. I don't know, and I'm being quite honest here, I don't know what that team was supposed to do tonight. I don't know what he thinks will happen. Like, what does he think will happen when that team 
players like that against a team like that. I don't know if, if either of you want to talk about the team selection and the formation lads, but for me, forget about the actual game, the, the selection itself for a bloke who has had the audacity to sit there and press conference after press conference to journalist after journalist and talk about how he, he's this progressive front foot attacking manager. He, he's a bullshitter. He's full of shit. He, he talks absolute nonsense. And all he's doing is is almost putting off the problem down the line. What's he been in here? Been here now 56 league games or something like that. And he goes into a game like Sheffield United, a team like that, and plays that formation and that team selection. Like he's he's a disgrace. The whole thing is we're wasting more time watching it. I don't know what you think, lads. Who wants to go? I'm just rambling here, getting angry. He's a he's a he's a total, total fraud. But you, you go first, Norman, because I've I've said it all before. <laughs> But I, I have as well. I'm just trying. I was saying, Alex, before we came on here, like I've stretched my vocabulary so much to say the same thing, like like four in four thousand different ways, and I think I've run out at four thousand and one. Um, <laughs> the the team selection, as you say, there, Alex, there was no planning in it other than just selecting the players. And what I find frustrating is that, given how press conferences are at the moment, I don't think it'll be a, it'll be something that's Looked into it won't be won't be asked like right Steve. So your last selection against Chef United, bearing in mind everything you've just said there, Alex. Bearing in mind if a journalist has the time and is allowed to, to ask the question, bearing in mind where Chef United were in the league, bearing in mind the run they've been on, bearing in mind the lack of goals they scored. What was your logic behind the team you selected? What was it that you thought by selecting that team with those players? In that formation that you hoped to do, what did you what 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 did you think these players will be able to do this against that team? That's what I'd like to know. I'd just like to know what the what the thought process is behind it. And I think, like you've already said, the the answer would be a bit of a mess because there isn't actually any thought process behind it. Because I, I don't think any other team in the Premier League would have gone to Sheffield United in the shape that they're in at the moment. I don't think any other manager would have looked at that and thought, what I need to do is I need to play five at the back with um, like three defensive midfielders. I, I don't. I genuinely don't think there's any other manager in the Premier League. I don't think there's any manager who is in the Championship at the moment would have taken a Championship side to Sheffield United in the state that they're in the moment and thought, I need to play basically five, um, oh, sorry, seven defensive players against a team that has averaged like, what, 0.3 goal per game for the last 23 or four games or whatever it is. Um, I, I genuinely, I genuinely can't understand. I think this is the, this is the thing. What? So I'll, I'll allude back to the previous manager, right? Like every time he selected a formation, you you could or you could understand it. You could look at it like from from a kind of you know the, the basic knowledge that we have as football fans who aren't involved in the game. You could look at it and think, all right, I can see what he's doing. I can see the opposition. I can see what he's doing. I can see why he selected this player, right? With Bruce, it's like there's never been one moment I've thought, all right, I can see what he's doing. Yeah, it's always just been a case of he's just throwing players on the pitch. That's it. Nothing, nothing more than that. And um, I've come away from that tonight, like not even, not even baffled. Like I'm not, I'm not even baffled by it. I'm just like, oh, hi, there you go. And that's Steve Bruce, isn't it? Yeah, look, that it, it, it all. I mean, the lineup itself was was one of the most ridiculous parts of the night. And I'm going to try and put a positive spin on it. I thought he was trying to lose the game and just relieve us all of this pain. So um, it all went, it all went tits up when Ryan Fraser got sent off. But the fact that Ryan Fraser's oh, playing. Man. <laughs> <laughs> We're lost. Yeah. Um, and now, but now, now it's he's got an excuse for an excuse he probably didn't want. Um, 
God. Yeah, the, the the team selection made so little sense. I mean, there's, there's loads of loads of baffling stuff you've already listed, but we're talking about um, a left hand side of. I mean, yes, five at the back. If you've got some wing backs, great. Paul Dummett hasn't willingly gone into the opposition half of the pitch in his career. Like, so he's not a wing back. He's he's a, he's a left back. So it's a it's a solid back five. It's not wing backs. And he's got Ryan Fraser in front of him, who I think that was his second start of the season. What the hell's that? Like, Dummett started two games. Ryan Fraser started two games. It was already ridiculously lopsided. And then on the other side, Sean Longstaff on on the on the right wing sort of side of the midfield. Like, what 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 was it? What what was the the plan there? I mean, we say it every week. What was the plan? But genuinely, that was baffling. There was not even even if we we're trying to give him the slightest shred of benefit of the doubt. There's there's nothing you can say that made any sense of that. Um, and yeah, Ryan Fraser got himself so frustrated, he, he just kicked the bloke and got sent off. And to be fair, I, I, I wish more of them had done it. Like, genuinely, lads, was was Jeff Hendrick playing off Callum Wilson? <laughs> is, is that, like, because like, I'm, I'm trying to work out where like, Hendrick fitted in on the pitch. And, and every time I saw him, he seemed to be kind of hovering around... 35, 40 yards from the Sheffield United goal when he was on camera. Uh, the, you know, he wasn't on camera very often, but when he was, it was like, has he got Hendrick playing as a kind of supplementary forward? Yeah, it was uh, a really, a really odd one. And that's the second contact. This isn't a dig at Jeff Hendrick at all, right? I mean, I don't know anything, anything about him, but it's the second con- second game I've seen Hendrick starting where I've genuinely forgot that he's on the pitch at points. Like, I've actually forgot he's on the pitch. And then he's, he's appeared and I've thought, oh, hey, Hendrick's playing. I mean, I suppose he's got more goals this season than our other strikers and Joe Linton and um, and Andy Carroll. So maybe that was his thinking. <laughs> Hendrick scored more goals. Uh, and this is a Sheffield United, by the way, who before tonight had not kept one clean sheet all season. So maybe he just thought, well, Hendrick scored against other teams, so he's bound to score here. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you've got the fact. But here's what I th- here's a theory. I thought he, I think he thought, as in Steve Bruce thought would get hammered at Arsenal, even though Arsenal are shit at 11th in the league. We've gone to Arsenal and we've, we've played like a, a conference team and everyone's like, oh, you know, we did much better because Andy Carroll misses two sitters um, and we're, we're a little bit higher up the pitch and it's great and all this. And this this, this is why he's such a bad manager. He therefore feels he has to play that formation. I think if we go to Arsenal, I'll, I'll put it this way, if um, uh, Bobby Firmino and Mo Salah have their shooting boots on against Liverpool, if uh, Carl Darla doesn't pull off three three wonder saves against Liverpool and doesn't pull off two wonder saves against Man City, who who, who also hit the post, we'll lose both those games at least four 0 Which, although the performance was better against Liverpool, you know Liverpool had so many chances um, they could do that. If those things had happened, he'd have played four at the back tonight, and that that's that's the ridiculousness of the situation. And, and I'll be clear again: Newcastle United under Steve Bruce's problems are not limited to how many defenders they play. We're absolutely hopeless with four at the back in most of the games we play as well. We were rubbish against West Brom, worse against Leeds, and maybe worse again against Fulham, playing four at the back. And then Brentford, let's not even get into it because I'm angry enough. So that's not the issue. But but I keep tweeting this. That's now two wins in the last 24 fixtures playing this formation. And while the team, there are some very good teams in there, there's the likes of Norwich, bottom of the league last season, Palace, rubbish last season, Southampton this season, Brighton, rubbish last season, Sheffield United, really rubbish this season. Like I've, I've never known a manager inflict such self-harm on himself. And, and to put it into context to the four-at-the-back comparison, we've won seven of our last 15 games playing four-at-the-back, 15 league games playing four-at-the-back. 
So, so to go into that, when I saw the, in fact, I think it was your message came through, Sai, saying he's gone five at the back. I just, I just, I just wouldn't believe it. I thought you must have made a mistake because it was so counterproductive. It's so easy to play against for the opponents. I thought it was impossible. And one of the one of the things which really hit home for me was it was was just before half time. I realised that that performance that Sheffield United had put in in the first half is better than any single performance from Steve Bruce's side in the 56 league games he's been here. Never have we dominated a game like that. Never have we had nearly 70% of possession, 10 shots and goal in the first half like that. Maybe Bournemouth away, maybe, uh, last season. But apart from that, for, for Sheffield United who who to come out and put in that performance and face so little resistance, and I'm sick of saying that. Uh, let's go back to the Norwich podcast last season uh, at home. Let's go back to the Oxford at home podcast last season. We're playing these teams. We're playing this formation. Teams that are probably nervous. Well, we know Sheffield United can't defend. We know we knew Norwich couldn't defend. Teams are nervous. They come to St James's Park or, the, or, or we go to their place, and it's like no pressure, lads. Take as long as you want on the ball. You want you want to run twenty yards with the ball as a centre back. No, probably want to pop the ball off to each other. You want to play some nice football. Absolutely fine with us. Be our guest. How the manager and the coaching team like haven't. In fact, in fact, even the players haven't thought. You know what? This is this is humiliating. This is embarrassing. Do you not think some, so? We cannot play like this at this level, but it's but it continues to happen. Do, do you not think though during the first sort of 20, 30 minutes, I thought the the players seemed to be digging each other out in the pitch because I don't think any of them had a clue what they were doing, and I think obviously those frustrations. To me, it seemed that they were starting to get irritated by one another, and that suggests that it's because they haven't got a clue what the other player is doing. As you, as as I said, when we're playing this five at the back and we're supposed to have wing-backs, but one of the wing-backs has done it, then anyone who's in front of him, i.e. Fraser, is going to be wondering what the hell's going on because he's like, well, if we're playing wing-backs here, why, why is he playing as a full-back, even though he's supposed to be a wing-back? It, it's it's those, those kind of... I don't know, there's that, that kind of body language that you see on the pitch that suggests to me that if things don't change very quickly, we're on it. Well, we're going to stay on this hugely downward trajectory because the, the, you can you can see the self belief and the confidence, the the minimal confidence that was there visibly drained from the players. Like it's it's not even like we're in the situation now where you know this the eighteen or so months Bruce has been here. Like one of the things we said was he has a couple of bad results, but then we'll go and get a good result. Like tonight, really should have been the the kind of oh he's. he's Got the good result. He's got the result that we need. That 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 tonight for it. But that tonight for me was like the, um, that that was the game to do it. That it, it, it kind of puts that it, it puts that um, myth of oh when he, when he needs a result he gets a result. It kind of puts it to bed. Tonight was like it was huge. It was absolutely huge, and we've lost to like the worst team after this amount of games in Premier League history. Yeah, the, the the daft thing is, is it, it doesn't mean a huge amount in terms of the league table. Like Sheffield United will get relegated, um, and we've still got eight points in the relegation zone. So you'll not you'll not lose his job, in, in my opinion. But uh, just going back to the the what what was going on in the pitch because I noticed this in the first twenty minutes. I thought um, I thought Fabian Shaw's mannerisms were of a player who just doesn't want to be involved. Like he's he was very kind of mopey. He was shrugging. He was kind of looking looking bemused. And there was a point uh, I picked out after about 15, 20 minutes where Shaw picks up the ball and plays a 30-yard ball out to the left uh, in front of Ryan Fraser. When Ryan Fraser runs the 30 yards to get the ball, he's still in his own half. So then he kicks it another 30 yards and just tries to run under it. Like, that's all we had first half. And no wonder Ryan Fraser gets so frustrated. He just boots a couple of their players and gets himself out of there. Mm -hmm. But um, 
I think I talked about this probably back end of last season on a podcast uh, where we were kind of questioning what is what's our identity, what's the identity of this squad, and I think for for years now the identity has been that kind of never give up attitude that that is um been enshrined in the in the spine of the squad in your Isaac Haydens and your uh, in your Fernandezes. That's been eroded away over 18, 20 months. And I think today was where we kindly saw that break. There was no team spirit. There was no kind of let's let's keep battling despite the formation, despite it not really working. We're gonna we're gonna keep at it, which I think Bruce has been lucky to benefit from. Certainly all of last season, you know, some of the points we earned last season weren't because we approached the game correctly. It's because the lads just fucking worked for it and and earned the point or earned the win. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think you're right. This is it. The 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 result out of nowhere that that gets them out of trouble isn't going to come. And it's on the one hand, hopefully the beginning of the end. On the other hand, it's a it's a really dangerous time um, because there's only one direction this this team's going. And you can't blame the players, right, for losing the fight. You can't. You can't. Like you 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 nope. mentioned there. You mentioned there that, like as you say, that that fighting spirit that we had for years. Has, has seen us through, and I, I guess when when that's all you've got, when that all you've got is that fighting spirit, and you're kind of working for someone who doesn't have a clue what they're doing, then you will become disheartened. And I don't think, I, I don't think we can blame the players for losing that um, that that drive and that resolve after so long of just being, I guess, mismanaged. I would call, I would call it. No, I agree. I agree. No, and 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 I say I want to talk about his future in a, in a bit, but just just last thing on team selection, like in what world was selecting Jeff Hendrick gonna gonna work out better than playing Matty Longstaff? Like I, I just don't get it. I don't understand how he doesn't get asked this stuff. Like Matty Longstaff ignored all season, despite being one of the highlights of last season, brings him in from fucking nowhere to play four league games in ten days. We've heard that before, by the way. Um, and then, then you assume he's rested at Arsenal, and then doesn't get on the pitch tonight. Like, like genuinely, in, in the whole time supporting Newcastle United, apart from occasionally like saying, "Sure, Army will be playing the left hand side." I can't think of any like selections that makes like as little sense as this. Um, he took off Alderon early on Sunday. You know, the, the player on Sunday who had a good game and who was full of running. And, and doesn't play him tonight. It like I can't get over the team selection. This was his chance. This team selection was his chance. Just like Bournemouth away last season, I think. Right, what's what's done is done. We're going to go into this one, uh, and and we're going to give it a right go. And and, he, and he's bottled it. I don't I don't think he has confidence in himself. Mm-hmm. Luke Edwards did a podcast with us and, and suggested. Well, uh, you know, Luke said he would come on um, after twenty games. Well, we're nearly there. That will be after Leeds at home. I'll be asking him to come on. Hope he does. Um, and he, and he suggested that 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 Bruce had lost confidence. Well, if he'd lost confidence, then what's his confidence like now? And if, and if he doesn't have any confidence, what, what it's like you say that what are the players supposed to think? It's just uh, it's just absolute madness. Um, can can you think of of any reason uh, at all to to suggest that that Steve Bruce should should be in his job? And there are people that listen to this podcast. Who have been, you know, upset or not so upset might be too strong. Have strongly disagreed with us. You in particular, Sai, with your consistent um, anti-Bruce stance since the start. Can either of you think of any redeeming quality at all for him to keep his job at the minute beyond his own financial well-being? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll, he 
nothing's changed since since the the day that his appointment was announced. The fact is that he is a manager who has had a very average career as a football manager. Average in the sense that he has never finished higher than 10th in the Premier League. He's only done that, I think, on, on one occasion with Sunderland or Wigan perhaps, so twice maybe. Um, the clubs that he's managed, it's always ended the same way, more or less. Um, he was sacked from Aston Villa after having the biggest budget in the division's history when they had, I think, maybe one winning nine in the line in 13 the table. He was he was disliked widely by the fan base. He was at middle to bottom table Chef Wed when Newcastle bought up his contract to appoint him as a manager. It was an absolutely terrible decision um, for a manager who was who had been on a downward trajectory um, for years and whose pinnacle as a manager was never necessarily high in the sense that he was what any other Premier League club would have thought of when they the came to picking a new manager at the point that we, we appointed him. No other club in the Premier League would have paid Chef, United, uh, Chef Wed the money that Newcastle United paid to break Steve Bruce's contract and appoint him. And nothing, absolutely nothing that's happened since then has made me change. Right? In fact, if, if anything, it's my, my opinion of him as a manager is, is worsened because I think what it's shown is, is that a club in the Premier League appointing a manager um, of Steve Bruce's managerial style, let's say, his, it, 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 what it shows is that he's he clearly, he's out of his depth now, isn't he? He's, he's out of his depth. It's as simple as that. And there's, there is no place in the Premier League, I don't think, anymore for for a club um, if they have a manager who who plays football. Like basically, it's still like the early noughties. That's that's the truth of the matter. I, f- I feel I feel kind of terrible saying it, but it's it's what I observe with me and eyes. Yeah, a uh, good question. You know, I put a tweet out asking for tweets, and we got like uh, sorry, asking for questions. We got about a hundred, so we can't get through them all. But a question from Graham O'Keefe: um, How balanced does this? Ra- Rank for us in our years supporting NUFC. So, lads, how, how, you know, in terms of bad performances you've seen in, in the context of them, where does this rank for you two? It's it's really hard because uh, the older you get, the more frustrating and shite it seems. And it's hard to remember it being as bad as it is now. Uh, but I, I'm really trying to be balanced here and I can't remember it being this bad before. I mean, the, the six months with John Carver was brutal. It was brutal, but... We weren't like, I don't know, I suppose at that, at that point you, you knew he wasn't going to be the manager for much longer. Um, and it was a a, a season where we'd, we had enough points to to just kind of whittle it away. I don't know. That that was bad. That was really bad in recent memory. I was never as um, upset with the Alan Pardew years as some were because we went on some good runs and played some good football at times. This has been consistently bad. There's been, I can't remember us playing well. Um, in the last two years now, I, I can't remember us playing well since this, since this manager. Not not for a full game. We've had we've had little flurries in the odd match, but it's been bad, bad football the whole time, and we've never had that before. Even John Carver got a couple of decent results here and there where we played well and deserved a win. I can't say that about this this manager or the 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 last eighteen months. You, you, you can't honestly say that we've played more than forty five minutes of good football at a time. Um, so uh, you know, we 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 witnessed the Robson years as uh, you know, uh, my first season ticket was 2002, um, followed by Sunes. And to me, I was absolutely devastated at the, at the change overnight and how bad we became. But I didn't feel like this. This is just, I'm so disillusioned with it. I, I, I'm I've never been more despondent, no, never been more 
unenthused about watching Newcastle play because you know what's going to happen. I mean, nothing about tonight surprised me. That's the worst thing. It wasn't like I went into this game thing and you know what, this could be the 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 corner that gets turned. There was no corner to be turned tonight. It was always going to happen. Nil nil, one nil to us. It, it's the same outcome, and it, you know, it's. To answer your question, no, I don't think it ever has been as bad as this. I don't think we've ever had as bad a manager. Norman? I agree that the game tonight is a standalone. There have obviously been performances that match it in terms of how terrible they've been. Um, we could name performances under Pardew, under Souness, under McLaren, under Allardyce that are, you know, as bad or almost as bad. Um, I, I don't recall... I don't recall seeing a worse one, to be honest with you. Uh, although Liverpool 3 0 at home under Allardyce was pretty shocking, but that was when Liverpool were an outstanding side and, and nearly won the title. Um, this is Sheffield United, two points from 20 games. Um, but in, in terms of, and this kind of alludes to what Sai said there, the overall effect of this tonight, it's basically the like the the pinnacle of, of what it's been like for 18 months. Um, we've, we did have, you know, even on even on Asunes, who was a horrific manager, there were some performances where we actually played well. You think of West Brom three another way when Michael Owen got a couple of goals. Uh, that you know there, there were there was the occasional really good performance. I mean, you know when he first arrived, even when he had that really good squad, um, there were some decent performances. But under Bruce, it's like actually none of the performances stand out. You know what stand out? What stands out? The wins stand out, but merely for the fact that the wins. Not because they were good wins necessarily, not because the performances were good necessarily, but because they were wins and it's actually a surprise when we win. So that's why the stand out. But in terms of stand out, because they're good, absolutely not. So I I think, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, it's about two hours after the match is finished. I might be different 24 hours. I might be a little bit, um, what, what shall we say, a little bit more um, objective. But at the same time, how I feel right now, this has been 80 months of just absolutely abysmal non-entity football without with, with zero planning and um just basically hope for the best tactics and um I it's uh it's rather frustrating. It is and, and you've mentioned the manager there. I've probably got two low points. Um you know what I mean we've seen as relegated twice twice at Aston Villa there were brutal days but in terms of just kind of loathing the manager I was at Sunes's last game 3-0 at Manchester City and it was one of it was so bad. It was clear the players the players had stopped playing from. It was like I didn't really want, want to get back in the game after half time because it was the same for McLaren, uh, Bournemouth at home. I, I walked out when Nayose Perez got one back, and I was just I don't, I don't want us to score because he. Well, I, I just well I knew we all knew he should have been sacked way before that. And if if we'd come back to to, to get a two two draw or even win it, all we're doing was del- delaying. What was going to happen, which was relegation, which we had in the end. T- tonight's up there. It's it's up there for me because because of the context of how bad the opposition were. Because of if if we listen, I'd still be furious and still be sat here saying a lot of the same things if we'd gone and we played four four two and the result hadn't gone against us, and and it probably would have because we're not we're not a good team. Um, but the but the fact the fact that he's 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 gone against all logic. The fact that he's gone and approached so defensively the fact that he it's it's the fact that he gets away with talking so much bollocks it's like i feel like we're being lied to we're being played by him week after week you know journalists print what he says and it's out there and it's there in black and white about this progress and we're doing better and we're moving high up the pitch it's all bollocks we are being like deliberately misled to try and keep him in a job and have the good fortune that he is 
had uh, regarding the, the team that he was left with, uh, the quality of some of the players, the fact that there are no fans in ground, for him to still come out tonight and blame the referee and talk about VAR and stuff like that. Like, to me, I, I, can't, I can't stand it when he opens his mouth. If, if I never heard him talk again, I would be absolutely fine with that. I, I, I'm, I'm so disinterested in what he's got to say about this football team. It, like, it actively makes my enjoyment of the football club worse, him talking about how bad he is and lying to us about, you know, basically just trying to... Like, he lives in some sort of alternate reality where things that we know aren't happening, he just he's just allowed to sit there and say it and just say, yeah, this is happening, we're making progress. You know, like last week, coming out with, like, saying we're seeing signs of progress, but we're 15th in the league. It's ridiculous. We're, we're get, we've, got, we've been asked by Cy Coward, um, if not Bruce, then who? We've, we've approached this a couple of times, but I don't know if it was on Patreon podcast. So, lads, uh, quickly, because we've still got a bit to get through. People say that's one of the, the arguments given as, oh, well, it's Mike Ashley. If it wasn't Bruce, then it would just be someone just as bad. I don't think there is anyone as bad, personally, unless he was to go back to, to someone like Joe Gainier or Alan Pardew. But... Uh, Norman, you first. Do you want to give me two candidates you think are realistic to replace Steve Bruce and improve this side? I was actually going to say I don't really care who, who it is because like much like Steve McLaren, it got the stage where I thought we just need to get rid of the manager right now because what's happening is the players are clearly not responding to him at all. So if someone new comes in, at least it might change the attitude of the players for a little bit. So I, I'm, I'm at that stage where it's like, well, actually, I'm not even thinking about who replaced him. It's which is getting it's about him just not being here because it's having an incredibly negative effect on the club and that's not going to change as long as he stays here. But if you want two quick names, I think Eddie Howe would be is a reasonable and potentially decent candidate. He's, he's out of a job and I think if he's offered it, why wouldn't he want to do it? He's been managing twelve thousand capacity Bournemouth for years. This is Newcastle United, regardless of it being Mike Ashley for a manager like Eddie Howe, it would be a huge job. So there's one name. Um, in terms of a second name. Oh, you've really got me now. Um, the thing is, I'm only thinking managers out of work because that's what it would be. Um, I know that we paid money to get, get, get Bruce in, but I can't see that mistake being made twice. Um, I think, uh, go on, Sai, you go first. I can't get a second one. I'm trying to think of someone who's actually available to step into the free now. Yeah, available is the, the, there's loads of managers you'd, you'd like, but it's just never going to happen. You know, there's, there's people like Daniel Farker who would be a brilliant possibility. Exactly. You know, he's not going to leave that job for Newcastle. I don't think even for for a good offer of money because you know he's got Norwich top of the league and they'll be in the Premier League in a better position than we would be. Um, but you know, there's, there's lots of you just want a man. You just don't want another Bruce. You don't want that that era is gone, as you've said earlier, Norman. Anybody that isn't that ilk, and I suppose the only saving grace is that Allardyce has already been snapped up, so at least he can't inflict that on us. But um, yeah, it's, it's tough. I don't. I don't really know. Other than Eddie Howe, who is available, there's probably there's probably anybody in in France, in Spain, who we know little about that could do a half decent job, mm -hmm. which which has got to be better than what we're what, what's going on right now. Right, I'll jump in there quickly. Absolutely, absolutely spot on there, mate. So I guess, um, and this isn't, um, I think Simon, you said who asked the question. This isn't obviously how we how we frame the question, but people on social media who who kind of use it as a as a stick to beat you with. I but if, if it's not Bruce, it'll just be someone else. Like, you know, it's, it's actually, it'll just be someone else, right? F fair enough. But, you know, we speak on a podcast and, and you know, write articles for a fanzine. Like, it, it's it's not up to us to kind of nominate managerial candidates, is it? It's This is what a football club that's run well does, isn't it? Like, you know, you, you look at look at Brentford. They, they got Dean Smith in from Walsall, right? And then he went to Aston Villa and they replaced him with an assistant that they, they themselves had recruited. You know, you, you have... You have 
operations at clubs, you have people working behind the scenes at clubs who do this scouting. There are people who scout managers. You know, they have networks. They have the, the look at how things are going in leagues, as you say there, Simon. France, Spain, any anywhere in the world, and 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 they're the people who select the managers. They're the people who put the candidates for it. As fans, our 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 knowledge is limited, so it's it's easy to say, oh well, it would just be it would just be someone else rubbish. But like, actually, it doesn't have to be. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be. And as fans, as I say, we we it's not information that we should really know. If you know what I mean? No, I do want. I do not. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, you know, like personally, I, you, you've got this whole takeover stuff going on. You, you've got people saying it's all about staying in the Premier League, and I, I think we'll get relegated this season. I, you know, Steve Bruce has proved in his career that these runs are often endemic. They're often like here, either the, the, the team gets relegated or he gets sacked or both, and it depends on, in which order those things happen to determine the future. So the, the idea that there's some golden performance out there or training session or, or secret key or players returning from injury I'm just not having it because even the games that will win on the whole we don't deserve to win so we're only and there was a um, a table in the athletic this week on a Chris Woff column um, showing that Newcastle are top of the league for taking their, their chances their big chances that means we're the most clinical team in the league in terms of the big chances we'll create that's that's not I mean Callum Wilson deserves a lot of credit for that but a lot of them four, five of them being penalties it's not sustainable. So if if we're current league form and we're 15th position in the league and out of both cups by January isn't sustainable, then what is the sustainable model of that? What is the sustainable model of the team that finished bottom on expected goals last year? What is the sustainable model of the team who, apart from Sheffield United and Burnley, is bottom of every league table for shots, shots on target, time spent in the opponent's half, possession, you know... This this bloke will take us down, and you've just said, you know, who's available? Marco Silva's available. Gary Monk's available. I hate, I hate Gary Monk. People have been listening to this podcast when we're in the championship. Fucking hate Gary Monk, but I'd have him over Steve Bruce. Get Chris Hooten back. I know he's a, he's a not Forest, but the change manager every five minutes. If you want a manager at the end of the season to see if some taker goes through, and you want someone to unite the fan base, get Chris Hooten back. The we bloke talked on Saturday. Chris Hooten. Chris Hooten's. The jobs he did at Norwich and Brighton were excellent. Um, they really went south at the end. The team played terrible football, hardly scored any goals and seemed to be sliding towards relegation. Does that remind you of anybody? But you find me a Brighton or a Norwich fan who speaks badly of Chris Hooten. And you find me a Newcastle United fan uh, who speaks well of Steve Bruce. And that's that's just it's the, just a difference in character. It's a difference in class between the people. And if we're going to be shite... Um, <laughs> Norman said, "Get David Wagner in. Get him in. Get anyone in. There, there, there are people out there, but I totally agree with you, Norman. It's not our job to know these things. There are people paid lots and lots of money to determine these things. And if if Steve Bruce and his coaching staff, because it's not just about the manager, does anyone think the other Steves are up to it? Steve, you know, Clements Agnew. What uh, is this their first uh, long term Premier League role? What what about their coaching career suggests they're capable of working with players like Joe Linton, Almer, and St Maximin, Lascelles, Hayden." What what about maybe that maybe they do I don't know I don't have any insight into this but I look at the the results of their work and I don't like it so it's not just about um, it's not just about the the manager at the top that we have to take a lot of responsibility it's the whole setup and to me the whole setup is below the required level for a Premier League club lads let's talk about oh Norman you want to talk about Jamie Redknapp's comments. No, just briefly, when we were talking about, you mentioned how the media, the people in the media, like I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, like sports journalists who write for Northeast publications. I mean, obviously, we've seen 
Oh, well, you may, you may have seen the comments up. Mark Douglas, um, Chris Worf, George Colton have put online, online tonight on Twitter and they've been um, damning, damning what they've said, you know, much along the same lines of what, of what we're seeing and I guess many fans are seeing. But I'm talking about, obviously, pundits who don't watch Newcastle regularly but still have an opinion that carries weight because when they say it, it's said to a massive audience um, that also doesn't necessarily watch Newcastle very much. So Jamie Redknapp tonight, um, pretty much. Um, Steve Bruce is doing a. I think Steve Bruce is doing a reasonable job. I mean, it's like what, what, like, what are you watching? How much have you watched? What is it that you're watching? Conceptualize what reasonable is. It's part of the same kind of narrative, and it's the same um, comments that are, are pumped out on on talk sports. So yeah, it was just a just something that popped into my head. It's just this this absolutely ridiculous idea that he's doing a good slash reasonable job. He's not, and if anyone has watched Newcastle regularly for 80 months, who can turn around and say he's still doing a reasonable good job and say, what are you comparing that to? That's what I didn't know. Compared to what? There's a lot of people asking tonight what what they think it will take for him to be sacked um, and, and, and if the club will do it. Sai, you mentioned earlier on in the show you don't think he's going to get sacked anytime soon. What, what's your thought process behind that? <laughs> You know, I've just had another look at the league table and uh, um, it hadn't updated, I think, games played. I, I didn't realize Fulham have two games in hand and if they can pull together some results, suddenly it's not looking so rosy. Um, the, the the big question is is when, isn't it? It's do you let him see if he can get a couple of results and, and keep that breathing space? Do you wait until it's too late? Which, in my opinion, would be if, if Fulham get within a point of us let's say with with 15 games to go who do you back to get more points the way we're playing it's it's going to be fulham so you've got it's got to happen before it's too late um whether ashley has learned that that lesson from the the previous steve i don't know because he left it too late then um he was also he left it just too late because we've got a world class manager who nearly uh, managed to turn it around we're not going to get a world class manager this time to to pull us out of the shit so He's got to allow for the fact that you're not going to get as much of a bounce from whoever he's even able to convince to take the job. So the it, the time is now. The time is absolutely now that it has to happen. But um, I don't know how... I, I don't think there's a huge window of opportunity where we could let this go on before it becomes terminal. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? And, and that, that's maybe it's what it's the worst part of it is that this idea that they won't sack him until you're in the relegation zone. They won't sack him until it gets tight. Part of me thinks, well, what what's, what is the purpose of the football club? What are we doing here? Talking about it, listening to it, watching it. What you know? Because if 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 the argument is in the Castle United, the Lee Chong, you might actually make that argument to themselves. Well, it's bad, but we're not going to get relegated. Where do they realistically think Steve Bruce's Newcastle United will be this time next year? Where do they think, having what they've seen, because Lee Charney definitely watches every game, Richie Smith was in touch tonight saying Ashley doesn't even watch the games. Uh, he, won't, he might not even be aware it's happened. I don't know whether that's true or not, probably. The problem is, you know, it's a fine, and anyone who makes the argument, well, you know, who else is he going to bring in? It'll be someone just as bad. Where do you see, with the rate of, with the level of performance that we've seen, where will this sign be this time next year? Because... It's inconceivable to me. They'll be, they'll either be in the championship, and if we stay up and Steve Bruce stays in charge, they will be in the relegation zone or, or, or in a position similar to Sheffield United to be gone. So there is no point in keeping him on. He's been here now as long as Graham Souness was here, as Norman 
told us at the weekend. 56 games uh, in the Premier League. And what's the point? What what purpose does it serve keeping them on? What what do people think is going to happen? Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not like, all right, keep them on and he might turn it around. You know, what other what club in his career? What are the what you know, Aston Villa did they decide? You know, look at Aston Villa, where are they now? If that doesn't serve as a reminder of what's possible without Steve Bruce, I don't know what is. Um <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's it's absolutely mental that 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 it be kept on. The other the other point for this is the worse the longer you leave it, the harder it becomes to turn around. And, and you lads pointed to it earlier in the show. The 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 longer you leave the, this group of players with the shit coaching, the shit conditioning, the terrible tactics, the worse the impact is on them, and the and, and the harder it is to turn around. And you saw that when Rafa Benitez came in. Took him two or three games to make any kind of real impact. He, he showed up the defense quite quickly, but in terms of everything else, and, and there's there's that kind of feeling amongst the Newcastle fans. If he'd been brought in two games earlier after we'd lost to Chelsea, we would have stayed up. And I would I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, you know, how long do you leave it to to let these players lose whatever they've got to 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 let them lose confidence? And 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 from a fan's perspective, every game like today. Tells its own story, and it and it you, you lose more and more people from the fan base. More and more people don't bother watching. More and more people switch off when the penalty goes in. More and more people don't turn in to games like Manchester City away. And Mark Corey was in touch and, and says, you know, what, what will the club do to bring back the ten thousand if and when we get back into stadiums? Well, I think there'll be more than ten thousand mark at the minute because you're going to have a real struggle to sell a single ticket to pay to watch this shite. So the longer you leave it, the, the more damage you do to your own product. And, and, and there's been a, a section of the fan base, at least, that don't want to attribute any blame to Mike Ashley this season. He's trying to sell the club. He's desperate to sell the club. Well, if he was that desperate to sell the club, he'd knock £100 million off the asking price and sell it tomorrow. Um, and if this is you know, if, if this is so important to him, if selling Newcastle United and he's on the same side of the fans and all this shite, then how about protecting Newcastle United? How about making sure that whoever you sell it to, it isn't... Uh, smoldering wreck of of absolute chaos like it is at the minute beyond what it already is because it's only going to get worse from here so that's the frustrating thing for me i mean easy easy for me to say lads do you i think i know your answer side but norman do you, do you think he will be sacked anytime sooner do you think it is going to have to take like another five to ten defeats in a row i he won't be sacked um i look at Look, but Bruce is a reactive manager, right? Like he reacts. There's no, there's nothing proactive. There's no kind of foresight in in what's done on the pitch, and that's kind of indicative of the club um, at large. That's how Ashley reacts. It's how Charlie reacts. It's it's reactive. So if we are in the bottom three, if we are ensconced in the bottom three, like five points away from safety, and there's like seven or eight games left, much like it was a couple of years ago, then that's when he might get sacked. Um, at that point, when it's too late. So, you know, we saw that in 2008 to a certain extent when Shearer was brought in to pick up an absolute shambles with nine games to go. Um, and obviously we saw it in the Rafa as well. So now nah, he, he, he won't get sacked. Unless 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 we do, like, basically lose every game now until there are eight, like, seven or eight games to go. Any other Premier League club, he'd be gone in the morning. Any other Premier League club. I, I think the uh, the the point that uh, I can't remember was it Rich, Richie Smith said about Ashley not watching the game has has got more implications than than we're probably giving it credit because he probably goes to Charlie and just says he's not going to watch the highlights he's not going to look back on it he's probably going to say what happened there then and him and Bruce will be so terrified of of 
saying they've they've been shit and it's been it's, they'll just say oh well you know the ref the refs fucked her again you know um he, he sent he sent all that off and, and they should have had a red card and they, they got a got a cheap pen otherwise it was all sorted we've just been really unlucky and i think the the they'll do that every week Ashley won't watch most of the games and he'll say well what happened there then just just tell us what happened and they'll they'll come up with some bollocks excuses um and say but we're 15th in league evan's all right we're, we're on track to to stay up uh, so Ashley won't know that the decision needs to be made now and that's the biggest fear because charlie's such a coward um as is uh as is bruce basically just def- just defending his ass and blaming everyone else that's that's the problem Ashley will not know that this decision needs to be made right now and no one's going to tell him support that completely as i say is right if ashley's not if he's not watching the matches all he'll see tonight and for the next couple of weeks is newcastle five or six points above the relegation zone that's all he'll see so it won't he look at the table he might look at the table he might look at the table on his phone and go oh there you go but yeah well like fifth bottom that's fine that's fine by me nothing else will be taken into consideration so it's only when he maybe looks at the table in a month's time or two months time and we're like second or third bottom that's when it might be a case of oh we need to get this sorted as I see is when it's probably too late, right? Yes, correct. Um, final thing, I think, for me tonight is uh, Bruce was asked about his future. I'm reading uh, Andrew Musgrove here on the Chronicle, and he says, I take full responsibility about the performance. I will leave it to other people to decide my future. I will never walk away from the challenge. Well, how can you take full responsibility, Steve? <laughs> If if you say that regardless of what happens, you won't leave. So how how in any way is that taking responsibility? It's just like doing shite at work and just being like my fault. Or are you gonna stop doing your, your job because you bothered it? Nah. <laughs> so again, we're being lied to by the biggest the biggest chancer since John Carver. Um, you know, the biggest liar as a manager. Um you, you, you know, everyone Seems to like him in the real world. He seems to be a, a, a nice bloke, and he, he's well spoken of by by people. And it's why he gets such an easy ride from pundits. But in the football world, I think he's a liar, and uh, he 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 bullshits fans to try and keep himself in a job. It's been a dreadful night. <laughs> it's been a dreadful night. Uh, I think we're done, lads. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Um, I wonder if this is the lowest. Of the low under uh, under Steve, but uh, Arsenal and Leeds next. That'll be fun. Uh, five at the back, no doubt, to uh, to improve our lovely records with that formation. Uh, we'll be back, or after, probably next Monday night after the Arsenal game. Um, as Sai often likes to remind us, uh, a weekend free of Newcastle United is a weekend to be savoured. <laughs> so I hope everyone has a good week weekend. Uh, you can catch much more of us and much more analysis and anger on Patreon. Uh, for about six pounds a month, we do lots of extra casting United podcasts. Thanks to Norman and Sai. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back with you all very soon. Cheers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.